Hi, welcome back to ASD, A New Perspective, the podcast show where we help you understand what is going on in the mind of your child, and we do encourage you that growth for your child is possible. I'm Kat Lee, and we also appreciate you for joining us for this special series, The Concerns of Parents. And in our podcast today, we talk about the essential role of parents in a child's life. Parents are essential. And as Dr. Gutstein explains, research backs that up. Um, people, people always want to know, is there literature supporting RDI? And I say, well, do you mean literature that supports the essential nature of the guiding relationship? And, you know, that's part of that literature, right? And the essential role of parents in mental and self-development and the essential role of that guiding relationship in the specific areas of impairment that are universal to people with autism. And the answer is, you know, it's a huge literature. I have it, but I don't know how to, to share that. I mean, just giving people a bunch of papers isn't going to do much or references, but you know, eventually we want to do that. But um, at this point, I think it is important for people to understand that conceptually, right? That, that not to read all the papers, <laughs> I don't think you'd want to, um, but to to understand conceptually that that's a fundamental premise of, of psychology, of developmental psychology, of neurology, of pediatric neurology, and yet it doesn't it, it doesn't get discussed in autism, and it still doesn't because you see all these papers on um, theory of, for instance, theory of mind de- impairments, and there's been a debate about that, but you know at this point the consensus is back to, yes, they do have their hip mind impairments. They just, you just don't necessarily always see it in these laboratory um, tests. But when you look in the naturalistic real world issues of understanding their own minds and others and able to understand their own mental states, their own feelings, um, their own, um, you know, beliefs, ideas, uh, you know, sense of uncertainty um, and others that it's, it's a dramatic impairment for people with ASD. And, but you look at the literature and you say, well, how does this develop? And the literature is very clear. It develops through what parents do in, in their guiding. And there's some very specific things that are discussed in terms of how children learn to internalize, um, on, you know, through dialogue with parents, through play with parents specifically, um, how they learn to internalize this and how they learn to develop this. So you look at another area, executive functioning, which has become a very hot area in autism in terms of the impairment of flexibility and working memory. Same thing. You see an enormous literature on how parents are essential, that parent guiding is essential. You look at um, um, self, self-directed communication, self-private speech, and self-dialogue, which is essential in high, any kind of higher-level thinking, reading, um, learning from, um, from someone trying to instruct you or explain to you, um, self-regulation. It's essential for all those things and many more things. And again, the literature is huge. And so you say, well, if these are the impairments that are going to be plaguing people with ASD and keeping them from having a life, we have to provide the means for them to develop it. 
And it's sort of like, I don't know how we get that across, but to me, that's part of the understanding is that's sort of the beginning premise, isn't it? That we start with is that it's not something we make up. I mean, I think that all right, one difference is when you think about some of these other programs, they just make up these methods and they say, well, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And all we're saying is that this is the way, in terms of what science has, has, has found or, or the way we understand child development, this is the, an essential role of parents and parenting figures, primary caregivers in development that, is, that research is showing is not, develop, is not occurring in autism. That's what stands out. And so we're struggling to help you to find ways for parents to have children with autism to provide this for their children. Because if they don't provide this for their children, how then there's no way for the children to, to develop these critical abilities and motivations and, and mental processes that are essential to have a quality of life that research shows that they don't develop. Um, and I don't know how you say that in a way that maybe people have trouble saying it in a way that's clear or, or understanding it or succinct, but once you do that, then, then the relationship then between the consultant and the parent is how do I help? How do I guide you to be able to prepare to have this relationship? And when people say, well, parents want me to tell them what to do with their kid, just what to do, what to do, what they do, then that part's obviously been missing, right? That they don't see that the parent is not seeing the consultant as their primary guide to internalize, to develop this process, to have the ability to form a guiding relationship with their child. They're missing that piece, right? And you can't really go on because they're missing that piece. They really don't understand something there. They don't understand autism which is one thing. And they don't understand the guiding relationship and how those two get connected. And what we're offering is so much more important than a method or some techniques or activities. It's the, it's the ability to have this guiding relationship with your child that otherwise you're not going to have. And every parent that understands that and gets it can, moves ahead. And every parent that doesn't understand and gets it doesn't move ahead. I mean, it's just, to me, it's right. It's, <laughs> I've seen that over and over again. If you don't get it, this whole thing doesn't make sense. If you get it, then it makes sense. Um, and so, you know, in terms of working with your family, I think that that's the key. If all the resistances I hear, people keep mentioning, are parents who don't get it. They get the idea that, oh, what you're trying to provide for me is a way for me to think, to use my mind. I have to internalize this, habits, right? Mindsets, way to use my mind so that I can actually provide a guiding relationship for my child. And that covers every, it covers all these areas of development, all these foundations, as well as, you know, um, actual dynamic intelligence development that if I can do that, then I open the door to all those things. If I can't do that then the door is closed and the, the child's development is going to be constrained dramatically no matter what else I do, whatever therapies I do, whatever else I do, it's going to be constrained. Again, and, and what's the scientific basis for it? Well, the scientific basis is, A, 
there's a complete consensus in science about the importance of a guiding relationship. There's hundreds and hundreds of papers and articles and chapters, and you ask any expert. Um, and B, there's now a good literature about how that does never, never develops in infants who go on to be diagnosed with autism, aside from being sort of anecdotally self-evident, if you ask any parent, but <laughs> besides the point. And C, there's an enormous literature now on what those unique mental and self-developmental impairments are that keep people from, with autism from having a quality of life. And that is directly connected to the products of the guiding relationship, as the literature says. So we have a literature that says this isn't happening in infants who want to have autism. We have a literature that says this is essential, this relationship is essential in developing these mental and self abilities. And then we have a literature that says these very same mental and self abilities are those that keep people with autism from having a quality of life. And so the connection is very nice. It's not perfect because nobody has done that research in a, in a sort of conscious way to demonstrate. But even despite the fact that no one's done it consciously, it links up very nicely. Whether you're talking about theory of mind, whether you're talking about executive functioning, whether you're talking about any kind of self-communication, private speech, self-dialogue, whether you're talking about emotional functioning, whether you're talking even about cognitive development, um, whether you're talking about pragmatic language, whether you're talking about, I mean, I just go on and on, cognitive flexibility, um, adaptation, all of those things are intrinsically connected, and research shows it with having this, you know, parent, this parent-child guiding relationship. And we can describe what the literature says about that guiding relationship, that it is challenge-based, it's one step ahead based. It's not my term, by the way. That's been used, you know, since Vygotsky. Um, that parents, that parents, we show parents intuitively are able to do that in typical development. Um, and that parents are providing scaffolds. They're providing tasks for children and stepping back and, you know, giving children the environment to be able to succeed, to be able to move on. Um, you know, they're doing all those things. They're also in dialogue, having conversations, which by the way, start in typical development before the, you know, before the second year, um, where they are teaching children, showing children how to value their prior experience, how to be able to share those experiences, to represent them, to be able to learn from them, to be able to get a sense of self from them, um, to be able to be aware of their uh, feelings, their internal states, their internal thoughts and ideas and intentions and goals. Well, all those things are happening in this co-experiencing relationship, um, right? And so, right, as a, as a consultant guide or guidance to the guide, you're trying to provide the same thing for those parents. I'm trying to provide for you a one-step-ahead environment, a place where you can internalize, where you can now develop this way of thinking and using your mind and, you, and, 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 right, and, and using the mental tools that, you have helping you develop some, maybe some, some new ones so that you can, you can function in a way to first, um, first establish a guiding relationship that hasn't developed normally, which is incredibly important and, and, and a difficult feat to do. 
um, and then how to use that once you establish it, right? How to use it, maintain it, grow it, because it, it evolves. It has to evolve. It's not static. It's dynamically evolving. But that's what I'm offering you. And it's an enormous gift because if we have a guiding relationship, then suddenly we have a, a mental apprentice, we have a, a, a mindful guide, then everything is possible at that point. Not to say everything is going to happen, but things without it, as I say, development is going to be constrained. If we don't develop a guiding relationship, then we know, we know from years and years of literature, of science, that development, the children who don't have it, for other reasons, whether they have an abusive relationship, neglected relationship, whatever, those children's development is going to be is going to be highly pathological, abnormal, and constrained and limited, regardless of what else you do for them, right? Um, so, I think you know. To me, that you're right. That that's that's the the. the but you see, I think that, that the first step is to understand the guiding relationship, making sure they do. And then the second step is to transfer that and say, okay, my role with you is going to be to guide you, to be a guide for you so that you can develop those abilities, those mental ways of thinking, ways of using your intuition, ways of using your feelings, right? You, ways you're using your feeling, you're experiencing your moment-to-moment -moment experiencing, ways of using your reflection, developing knowledge, developing re-experiencing, ways of using your planning, your executive functioning, <laughs> your planning, your flexibility, ways of using your own self-talk, your own self-dialogue, your own partner, ways of using those dynamic mental capacities to be able to achieve this really critical goal. And that's my role with you. It's not telling you to do X, Y. It's not directing you to do X, Y, and Z. It's not being an instructor. It's not giving you activities, 30 activities to do, right? And people say, well, we need to do that because you're so anxious. Well, to me, I don't think that's the way of managing anxiety. I think giving people hope, helping people to understand the road they're on, helping people get perspective. To be, what we know is when you can help people who are anxious or depressed to take a step back and be in a more global mode. That's the most, well, that's the best way of managing it. When you keep them in that detail focus, they're just going to stay anxious. When you help people take that step back and you give them a perspective and you give them hope, by the way, you have years of research showing this. It's not anything new. Then they feel better. Then they feel less anxious. They feel less depressed. They feel more hopeful and less anxious. We want to give them that perspective. We want to, you know, give them a framework for where they're headed and, and the idea that, hey, even though we're here right now, these are, th you know, negative things are happening, we're on the road to something. Thank you, Dr. Gutstein, and thank you for joining us for ASD, A New Perspective, the podcast show where we help you understand what is going on in the mind of your child, and we continue to encourage you that growth for your child is possible. I'm Kat Lee. See you next time.